Welcome to First Time Lord. My name is Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first timer who is now in love with the Time Lords. Because why not? When you see Doctor Who for the first time, like I did, and you fall in love and you realize I've been missing. There's been a huge chunk of my life that has been robbed for me, and now I'm re- rectifying it by sitting down every week and watching it and then having amazing conversations with Doctor Who experts that fill me in on all of the things that I end up missing, and this week is no different. We are talking about Vincent and the Doctor. So since there are two characters in the title, I needed two experts, and so help me welcome to the podcast the triumphant return of Jenny Fay and Ashley Martin. Hello, hello. <laughs> it's the the, the required uh, Mrs. Doubtfire moment. We're, we're copyrighted now. We have taken that from Mrs. Doubtfire. It is ours. Absolutely. Uh, I, I may or may not, uh, for I believe it was Christmas, received a, a, a very modest envelope from uh, <laughs> from a Jenny Faye. And I opened it and it had a sticker of Robin Williams' face saying, Hello! <laughs> Which now sits on the very back of the computer that I record these podcasts in. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> But oh my gosh, guys, we're back and we're talking about Vincent Van Gogh and the doctor and all the feels. Oh Oh my gosh. So uh, dear listener, as always, if you have not seen this episode, uh, I strongly encourage you to do so. It is episode 10 from series five. Um, But Please go watch it because in our discussion, we are going to spoil everything about this episode and uh, you need to have this experience. Uh, You need to go into it the way I did, which was not knowing anything and coming out the other side, uh, an emotional mess. Uh, (laughs) It's it's a great, great explanation. Uh, My husband actually thinks this is the best episode to show a non-Huvian. Mm. Who wants to watch Doctor Who? Because there's not a lot of Doctor Who stuff in it. Everything is pretty much explained that you need to know. But you have this great emotional connection with somebody that most everyone is aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, over Blink, this is the one that I would introduce people to. I've uh, I've been flat out told as uh, more and more people find out that I am a Doctor Who newbie. Uh, and you know, the first reaction is what? Uh, and the second reaction is, oh my gosh, uh, I love the Van Gogh episode, mm-hmm. uh, to which mm-hmm. until today I had to basically say, whoa, 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 don't say anything. I haven't seen it. And then I get this like cryptic, oh, you're going to love it. Oh, mm-hmm. it's going to be great. Uh, in <laughs> fact, as I was leaving work for the week, uh, Yesterday, one of my uh, cast members said, oh, that's the episode you're doing this week? Well, get ready to get all your emotions uh, felt. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is absolutely, like, the way this episode starts, immediately, uh, I am thrown back to that brief moment in time in which 
my wife and I were traveling, you know, abroad, and we were in Paris, and there's this beautiful uh, museum that we saw, we just didn't get to, one of the many reasons Same. why we want to go back. Same. <laughs> and there's, you know, and then all of a sudden, Bill Nye shows up. <laughs> And he's not in any one. Richard Curtis project. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he's not sitting there, you know, talking about uh, Davy Jones's locker, <laughs> uh, which, uh, you know, I recently rewatched all the uh, <laughs> all the pirate of the Caribbean movies. So that's my reference with him. But he's great. Like, oh, I'm like, holy moly. Like they, they buried the lead. Cause that's a, that's a big name. You know, that's mm-hmm. a big get for any British show, British movie, anything, you know, Bill Nye is a big deal. That was kind of cool. Yep. I was like, I was wondering if he had ever appeared in doctor who, cause you know, next to Capaldi, he'd make a great like old doctor. Yeah. If you're well, English, he actually you're was, who. He was in consideration for the doctor when they did the reboot for the ninth doctor. Yeah. But he turned it down because he said there was too much baggage associated with the role. Of course. (laughs) He would have been fantastic because as as eclectic as he can be as, Mm -hmm. as weird as some of his uh, characterizations can get, Mm -hmm. uh, I think he would have been fantastic. And he's also uncredited in this episode. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He did it just because he wanted to. He filmed the cameo in one day. Wow. That's, I mean, and he's wonderful because he, like, he's definitely playing a character. He's not just like, hi, I'm here for the ratings. Uh, and, he, and he has one know, of the best lines in all of Doctor Who history. Which is? Oh, Ashley, you're going to have to do it verbatim because I, <laughs> I don't got that brain. Oh, I don't have you talking about the end where he talks about yeah. how Van Gogh transformed his pain into beauty. Mm, no, yeah. that's the good, the good and the bad. Oh, but that's the doctor. That's not Bill Nye. Oh, you're right. It is the doctor. <laughs> well, still, he's involved in one of the best quotes ever. <laughs> well, he does. I mean, like, like, like you did mention, uh, Ashley, he has that wonderful speech at the end. Mm. Um, that leads Van Gogh to that moment of just pure joy uh, in a way that can only be, I mean, this is where I, I have a hard time because as somebody that has lived and breathed in the arts and in live entertainment and I feel that pain that he was talking about because you know the idea that you do all of this work and it's unappreciated until you're gone mm-hmm. uh and you know in in live performance you do all this amazing work and you pour your soul into something and it's ephemeral because it's gone it's not captured on film it's only captured in the minds of the audience that is getting to watch it. So it, I, (laughs) that moment as Bill Nye is going on and just saying, in my opinion, he is the greatest living actor or greatest living, uh, or greatest artist artist of all (laughs) times, not living. Uh, it, 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 you know, I, I, I thought about how many of my friends 
that I know to be amazing performers or amazing writers or amazing comedian, amazing actors, how many of them would love to be in a room to get to hear that? Mm-hmm. And how many never do? Because again, what in the nature of what I do, it's ephemeral, you know, especially once I move to the behind the scenes stuff. You know, if I do a good job, nobody knows that I'm there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there is a little bit of that, like nobody recognizes you, nobody knows, nobody, and you'll never get that recognition uh, until you're long gone or you've moved on and you're not present. Um, So what, what an amazing start to this episode is seeing Bill infuse it with I think the heart that carries the entire episode through mm. uh, one of absolute appreciation for what that you know artist did but in, in you know in a way you can immediately put it to you know appreciation for the things that we have while we have them well and then you have of course the great Tony Coran being a fantastic Van Gogh like, I couldn't imagine anybody else playing that role. And even if you're not familiar with him, familiar with his art, familiar with his story, this one-hour Doctor Who episode gives you an opportunity to learn more about that artist than you probably ever thought you would in a TV show. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah, it's almost- and Jenny has met him. He's lovely. Oh, of course you have. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were dressed as Van Gogh and Amy for the photo op. Ah, uh, nice. I, I mean, this was almost edutainment in the sense that there, there is a lot of. Uh, clearly, not everything is uh, factual, uh, but there is a there lot of no factual monster? information uh, no inserted monster? about. Uh, no, no monster. Uh, but and <laughs> here's how we bring this conversation back to Doctor Who. In a fantastic way, the monster represents, because clearly, you know, if you don't know the story of Van Gogh, he was a very troubled person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does, you know, he, he tortured himself, he cut off his ear, he ultimately ends up, you know, committing suicide. And so the idea that part of what made him so tortured is also the reason he is so or was so good at what he did Mm -hmm. and that in that torture some of it in the case of this uh episode some of it may have been extraterrestrial Mm -hmm. and that this detriment this thing that uh, you know he even mentions it in the episode this thing that has gotten made fun of and has gotten and has made people afraid is the thing that makes him useful and that with the help of the doctor, he is able to kind of save this village from more pain and torment, mm-hmm. you know, and in a way puts this poor creature uh, out of its misery. Mm. Yeah. You know, that, it's, it's, it's one of those stories where like you, you first were like, Oh no, it's this bad thing. And then you ended up, there wasn't really any villain in the story other than, your own humanity. Well, it was misunderstandings, right? Yeah. It was, and I, I think they even alluded to it in the in the episode that humans are 
horrible to each other because yep. we're so afraid of what we don't know. And they're so afraid mm-hmm. of what they consider to be different. And they thought Van Gogh was very different and accused him of, of so many things, which some were true. He had addiction problems and he had, you know, his own issues. But there's also things that he was accused of that he wasn't involved with. Um, and just because he's different, they wanted to attack that, which is, again, what stuff that we see every day. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just it's our it's our commonality that we have with a show that's years old, we are still seeing these same issues today. Well, th- there was that moment as the doctor is explaining how, you know, humanity is so cruel to itself that, you know, in, in the midst of what we're dealing with uh, in over in Europe and then the Ukraine, it immediately spoke to that moment to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, here's, here's a, 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 a problem uh, that is caused by misinformation and just people not being able to see each other for what we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it, it, to an extent that that's part of the problem with that creature that uh, Van Gogh ends up uh, ultimately dispatching is the doctor immediately jumps to the assumption that, you know, because this race is known for being incredibly cruel, that that's what this creature is going to be. And it turns out that, you know, the creature is just damaged like the 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 implication, at least I I believe, um, inferred by the author of this episode is that we're all a little damaged. And in doing so, you know, we kind of, we either choose to wallow in our own demons or we move on uh, like the doctor does. And, you know, there's this poor thing that Van Gogh ends up dispatching. And then he immediately realizes, I I didn't mean to Mm -hmm. take this thing away from the world. You know, almost as if the world is a little less because he took that away. Um, It's just such a wonderful experience. And and the kind of thing that happens through uh, science fiction in a way that, you know, it the doctor just does so well. And you know what? I don't mind Amy in this episode either. <laughs> I was going to say. That is so true. <laughs> Ashley, I know you and uh, Jenny have uh, strong feelings of Amy, but uh, she she does a great job at sort of being that uh, empath, the sort of the channel oh, yeah. for empath. Uh, what what are your feelings on on how she uh, communicates with Van Gogh? Clearly, being a fangirl. Yeah, this is the first episode where I thought, oh, okay, Amy's not terrible. I don't hate her. <laughs> and, and and a lot of the reviews when this episode originally came out were saying, oh, Amy Pond finally gets a you know well rounded story to to sink her teeth into and actually see another side to her. Mm. <laughs> Although I had to laugh at the beginning when they're in the cafe and all the guys are arguing and she goes, shut up boys. Mm. And the doctor <laughs> just gives this little grin. Mm-hmm. It reminded me so much of the doctor and Donna mm-hmm. because Donna was very loud and very brazen and, and 10 just loved her. And just that little smile. I thought, Oh, it's like, it's baby doctor and Donna. <laughs> 
<laughs> it, it, it's definitely, they have in this episode, they definitely have that relationship uh, much more than in previous episodes from the season in that, you know, he is the doctor and she is the companion and they are well, he's also taking care of her more now because it, of what happened with Rory. You, I mean, he is just, mm-hmm. he wants to take care of her even more than he usually would a companion. That's what I was going to say. Rory's gone. And so she doesn't even realize that. And she's had this traumatic experience, but she can't remember it. Well, since you both brought it up, um, there were a couple of moments uh, that were specifically addressing what happened leading up to here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there is a moment in which the doctor uh, refers to Amy as Rory, and then she goes, what? what? Who's that? Mm-hmm. And he yeah. moves on. Uh, there's a moment in which she tells Van Gogh, I'm not the marrying kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a moment in which there's the, the whole discussion about how we are all currently alone and being left alone. Mm-hmm. So uh, what what's going on here? When she cries and she doesn't realize why she's crying. She doesn't yes. really know. Oh. Which at that point I'm like, okay, Amy Pond, okay, <laughs> you're right. growing on me a little yeah. bit. You're if, still yeah, not if, my favorite, but <laughs> if you're not sad, then why are you crying right now? And she yeah. wipes that tear. Oh, and, and she and like, Mango have such a beautiful relationship in this episode. Finally, it's just magical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our well, children would have really, really red hair. And, the ultimate ginger. And I, I love that she says that as a way of sort of getting herself out of that sadness and depression. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. as the doctor sort of implied, sort of there is good, but there's also bad. But the good makes the bad better. Mm-hmm. And the bad makes the good even better. And... You know, so she she's sort of taking that advice directly to heart, and she's finding a little bit of comfort and humor. And you can almost see the the fact that she's taken this brief opportunity she had on this little adventure, and it's almost like she's letting it kind of hug her. Like you see, it, at least I thought I saw a very visceral kind of reaction to her as she has that little laugh while she is still, you know, visibly, uh, emotionally compromised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, so, but back to the doctor who of it all, um, <laughs> he, you know, Rory disappeared. Um, and even in a portion of this episode, Amy, uh, implies Time can be rewritten, mm-hmm. and the doctor doesn't she say wants anything. It so bad, right. <laughs> she she does because she is running back up those stairs, and there is no new artwork. And you know the they did rewrite a very small part of history. Mm-hmm. So is is that preparing us for what is to come as we get closer <laughs> and closer to resolving? 
whatever happened to her. We're going to tell you. Spoilers, sweetie. And there we go. Spoilers. <laughs> right there. First one of the episode. Spoilers. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh huh. I you never know. Maybe you know. Somehow I I would be able to convince you with my verbal gymnastics. See the thing with Doctor Who is, even though you like characters, you can never truly get attached to them because you know the Doctor is going to regenerate. So you already have that in your mind, and you know that the companions are only around for so long. So it's a difficult juggling act to really, really like characters. And I like Rory. I like Rory a lot because you never know what's going to really happen. Like, are they really done or are they not done? Are they going to come back? And it's one of those things that is so different from so many other TV shows because, you know, unless you're a soap opera and you, you quit the job for a little bit and today Daniel's going to be replaced by like, they don't do that in Dr. Who you're gone, but they find a way to bring you back if they want you back. But if they don't, you you could just be gone. So Daniel's like, I want to know more. <laughs> I, I do, and uh, the only uh, solution to that uh, quandary is ending the podcast now and just going to go back and watch more episodes. <laughs> but uh, to um, kind of to your point, and I'm going to throw this to Ashley. Um, Jenny says she really likes uh, Rory, but at least so far, I've I've only seen a handful of episodes with Rory. I haven't really had an opportunity to really get to know his character. So, is am I because I'm I'm on the other side of where you guys are? Uh, is is it? Just I haven't had the time, or did I miss something of this character? <laughs> How do I answer this question? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Um, yes, your time with him has been very limited, mm-hmm. but he's very <laughs> sweet. Yes, he's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to understand that I'm comparing him to a companion who I don't really like a lot. And in comparison to her, he's great. You know? Yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's because that's the other thing. Um, I, I, I enjoy the conversations that I've had with both of you individually about the fact that uh, Amy is not your favorite. And while she didn't immediately grab me the way Martha did, uh, or, you know, I, I didn't, I haven't gotten as attached to her as I did to Rose uh, and she's not shown herself to be as um, useful as Donna was but I also don't don't feel strongly towards her so is that because of my limited exposure to her? <laughs> it, it could be for a variety of things like I didn't have a favorite companion until Clara, until one that you will meet in the future. So there were no companions that I was really drawn to, whereas in Ashley's case, she was drawn to Rose. Rose is her companion. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think I was still just waiting for somebody that would really represent me, I think, because a lot of times you as the viewer, the companion is that human side. And so I was trying to find somebody more that I related to, Um 
and I have a bit of the sass that Amy has, but mm-hmm. not as I'm not as sassy as that. Whereas when I found a companion that I really related to and I really cared about and I really liked, it was somebody that I felt I related to more. So I think I just haven't found a companion that was my companion yet at that point. Um, whereas Ashley and, and Ashley can speak for herself, but she had her companion already. So I think like once you've had that awesome companion, nobody else matters. This is my companion. She's my favorite. <laughs> He's my favorite, you know? Um, I that, mean, yes, Rose is my girl, but I, I mean, it's also personal preference too. I mean, I loved Martha, loved her. Rose is my favorite, but I really loved mm-hmm. Martha too. And Donna grew on me. By her, I, I didn't like her as much in Runaway Bride, but when she came back and became a companion, I really liked Donna too. But Amy is just, if I had to, you know, list them all, so far Amy is at the bottom of my list. And I know that I'm in the minority there. I mean, we, Jenny and I know mm-hmm. that people love Amy Pond. Mm-hmm. I mean, and oh, Karen's yeah. lovely. Karen, I but, like Nebula. I mean, I love Nebula. Any, I love Karen. Any poll but you any... see for Doctor Who, like, who is your favorite companion? The top two are always Rose and Amy Pond. Mm. So she's very popular. She's just not my favorite. And that's okay. There's a companion for everybody. I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I've been purposely trying not to formulate... Uh, or create favoritism in my head um, in the sense that I know I'm, you know, very young in this journey still of Doctor Who and especially of New Who. Uh, you know, we're, what, what's the latest season that just wrapped up? It's like 11, right? Uh, 14? It's up there. Yeah, so yeah, it's up there because because the thirteenth really doctor short. did <laughs> series Sooner eleven, years. twelve, and thirteen. So this would be the end of the thirteenth. So and now yeah. they're in specials. <laughs> uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not even halfway through yet. Uh, so I'm trying not to let the that that favoritism bug sort of creep in. Because I want to experience everything with a set, you know, with a fresh set of eyes. And once I've seen everybody, I can sort of go back. Uh, because I, I do, not that I, you know, detest people that do it, uh, but I'm not a huge fan of the, oh, these are my favorite, you know, the, this is the top 10 movies of all time. <laughs> it's so it's hard. So, well, it, and it's subjective. It's very, very subjective. Yeah. And are we talking? It depends on what's going on in your life. Exactly. You know, are we talking like, (laughs) you know, is it the writing that you're reading? Is it the acting? Is it the the storyline? Is it the subject matter? Uh, You know, there's so many. How old were you when you saw it the first time? What your experience was first Mm -hmm. seeing it. You know, did you see it in a big movie theater and have that loud, obnoxious person sitting next to you with a cell phone? (laughs) Or, you know, did you watch it on VHS when you were little? Like all of that makes a huge impact and difference, uh, and and I hate when people sort of, oh, this is my definitive, my ultimate list. And like you can't, you can't do that, and you can't offer that as this is it. Like if you're like me, this must be the end all, be all, because we're all different. And I think tying it back to the episode, I think that's what. 
I liked about this episode is that we celebrate the different. We celebrate the yes. the crazy a little bit. And there's that wonderful moment uh, that it's almost expected, but I at that at the time it comes in the episode, I had kind of I neglected it and thought, nah, they're not going to do it. But when they're sitting there on the ground, looking up at the sky, you know, so magical again, like when you, when you're talking about a Van Gogh episode, you're like, of course that's what they're going to do at some point. And the way they did it just kind of crept up on me and it sort of solidified Mm -hmm. that, you know, even the crazy people have this amazing way of looking at the world. And if you allow yourself to even for a split second to see the world through their eyes, you could be exposed to something truly amazing. Absolutely. And at the end of this episode, that's exactly what this episode was something truly amazing. And the way they did it was just so beautiful. I mean, as he was explaining it, and the graphics started swirling on the night sky and you were you were seeing it and understanding it as he was telling it. And it was so beautiful. And I think it's it's great for folks who maybe don't understand his style of art and are just like, oh, it's a Van Gogh. But by them explaining it and showing it this way, um, people who don't know Van Gogh and they want to watch this, they can have an appreciation for his art because I think this really showcases that talent as well, which so many times people just look at and go, oh, that's just, it's kind of, he did some strange stuff, but why did he? And let's look at the beauty of what he's seen because not everybody gets to see things the same way. And it's so nice to see it in a different way. It's like the doctor says at one point, impressionists. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but it, This never would have happened with Gainsborough. Uh, right. It, it's not a polar bear. <laughs> It made me realize that Doctor Who sometimes is exactly like this going back and closing out the episode the way we started it with Jenny. This is a perfect episode for somebody Mm -hmm. that has never Mm -hmm. seen Doctor Who to jump in on because I think it encapsulates everything that is both special about the show, but special about the the concept the character the idea that things are ephemeral that nothing is um forever that the doctor is going to regenerate that the uh companion is going to change and that only after the fact you will be recognized for for your contribution that while it's happening while you're in it uh, more often than not, it's going to go unappreciated. And, uh, you know, there's a certain truth and there's a certain beauty to that that I just, I really appreciated this this episode. And I feel like it's a very unique one in that, I mean, the Doctor meets a lot of historical figures, but he's always very careful, you know, not to mess up the timeline and not to mess up history, which, of course, something always does happen. But... I mean, think of all the historical figures he's met and he's never brought them to modern times to see, you know, what their legacy was. You know, he didn't bring Charles Dickens to the present day and say, hey, look how successful you are, Agatha Christie. But 
I don't know if it's he was almost trying to do it for Amy because she was so sad still and he knew it would make her feel better to see him that happy. But regardless of his reasons, I just it's the most beautiful Doctor Who episode, I think. I really do think so. The fact that he did it when it's something that is so against Mm -hmm. everything he believes in. He was like, you know what? To me, it's. It's the ninth doctor again, just this once. Everybody dances. Every, you know, I'm going <laughs> to dance. Everybody lives. Like it to me, it was just, you know, just this once with Amy, he is going to let Vincent see how important he is. And then it's up to Vincent to decide what path he ultimately goes down. Well, it, he never um, does something until he does. Mm-hmm. And when he does, there's a reason mm-hmm. behind it. He uh, doesn't do anything just because. So we can cry. Um, so the, this episode definitely, <laughs> um, you know, it ends in that. But I cannot miss the opportunity since we have her live in the show to go to my favorite part of every episode of First Time Lord, and that is Ashley's TARDIS tidbits. So take it away, Ashley. Live. <laughs> and in person. Well, live to we've tape. We've covered some of them. Um, but I still have quite a few left. So this is a big episode. Um, at that one part when, uh, when they're waiting for the monster to show up and the doctor's all fidgety and he's like, is this how time normally passes really slowly and in the right order? <laughs> it made me laugh watching it now, having watched ahead, obviously, because there'll be an episode in series seven called the power of three, where there's a very reminiscent moment so just remember that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it also felt very poignant after the pandemic. <laughs> right. It was like time yes. goes slowly. so slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about Bill Nye earlier. And um, the producer said that they cast somebody high profile like him because they wanted the audience to really listen to what he was saying. Mm. Not just, oh, it's a guest star. They're yapping. Great. Let's get to the point. They wanted it to be important. Um, so this episode is written by Richard Curtis, who a lot of movie fans will know. He's a famous uh, British writer. He did Love Actually and Notting Hill and Four Weddings and a Funeral. You know, he has quite, quite the resume. Um, mm-hmm. And he apparently had always been fascinated by Vincent Van Gogh. And even though he knew a lot about him already, he read a 200-page biography in prep work before he started writing the script because he took it so seriously and he wanted to be truthful rather than cruel. And he refused to write any jokes about the ear, as we all know when Van Gogh cut off his ear. And he also put up prints of Van Gogh paintings all around his house when he was writing the episode. Hmm. Um, And something we touched on earlier, this is a long quote, but I think it's really beautiful that Richard Curtis said, I'm terrifically moved by the life and fate of Van Gogh. He's probably the single greatest artist in all formats who received no praise whatsoever for his work. If you look back at Dickens, Chaucer, Shakespeare, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, all hugely famous in their lives. And then this one incredibly popular artist with no praise at all, literally selling one painting. And that was to his brother. It may, it was that thought which initially made me wonder whether or not we could use time travel to put that right. So that was the initial inspiration for writing this episode. Oh. Um, the idea of depression that they talk about in this episode, um, obviously 
Van Gogh suffered from depression. And Richard Curtis wanted to convey that the doctor could rewrite time, but Van Gogh's demons were out of his reach. And the fact that he wanted people to understand that you can't take people's depression away, but you can give them a good day, which we see, you know, Mm -hmm. Van Gogh has that great day, but ultimately, you know, he does what we all know and, and commit suicide. Um, and that beautiful scene at the end when they take him to the gallery, the song that's playing, it's called, it's called chances by athletes. And that was always in the draft of the script. Richard Curtis specifically wanted that song. He knew from the beginning and the director actually had it playing on his iPod while they were filming the scene. So I'm sure that kind of imbued the scene a bit more while they were filming it. Um, and in the years since it has aired, uh, Stephen Moffat has said that he's overjoyed that that ending sequence shines even more brightly in the long term. He said, it takes you a moment to get the full size of that story. I think it's one of the greatest scenes that Dr. Who has ever done, which I, I agree with. Um, Richard Curtis's daughter, Scarlett, is the one that suggested that the Curfeus be spotted in that specific painting, the church at Aubert. Mm. The self-portrait of Vincent is not an exact replica of the painting that we know. They slightly altered it to resemble Tony Coran. And it's going to show up again later in a historical archive in the series 10 episode Smile. <laughs> so you'll mm. see it again. <laughs> Um, in the TARDIS tidbits or Vampires of Venice, I mentioned that uh, it was filmed in Troger, Croatia, and along with another episode, and it was this one. They were filmed back to back in Croatia. Um, there was a scene cut where the doctor said that he knew about the Corfeus because they had been in a book of scary stories that the children on Gallifrey would read. So he grew up afraid of them. Um, when they take Vincent into the TARDIS and he's looking at all the buttons and he goes, what's this? And they go ketchup and mustard. When the camera focuses onto the mustard button, you'll see written on the console. It says magpie electricals. Mm. Oh, so throwing it back to series two. Mm-hmm. Magpie is always around. Um, this is the only episode since 1963 to end on a fade to black, mm. which I thought was very interesting. Um, after this was originally broadcast in the UK, they had a special announcement with a suicide prevention number that came up on the screen. And then the last thing I thought was very cool. Um, the, the house where Van Gogh spent the last few months of his life, the one that they show in this episode and where he ultimately died um, I know I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, but the Aubert Raveau is the name of it. Um, it has been renovated and restored. And the room now looks exactly like it did when he was there. Hmm. And you can eat in the restaurant down on the first floor and then you can go upstairs and tour it. So you can actually see the place where he was. Wow. That's very cool. Makes me want to be able to travel internationally. <laughs> hmm. And take the first time Lord crew with me because there's there's some visits that we have to make uh, 
No Card- objection. Cardiff's no scores, you know, first on the docket, but this would be a very mm-hmm. strong second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, funny that you mention it because as uh, you went into the TARDIS tidbits, uh, I pulled up the number because it is important. Uh, if you are in the continental United States, 1 800 273 We'll get you to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Uh, if you are experiencing anything like what Van Gogh experiences uh, or like what a lot of uh, us in the uh, this crazy little trip around the world uh, or around the sun, uh, you know, please call that number. Uh, there's, there's always somebody out there that is willing to help. But not to bring the episode down to a downer, uh, I love the TARDIS tidbits. Thank you so much. Uh, I always get so much more information. But speaking of information, I know I try to pry a little bit of it out of your hands. <laughs> Was there anything that I missed in this episode? Mm, there's nothing really in this one that ties into because we don't ever really see the crack. Um, but... Mm-hmm. You know, you remember last week how it ended with him finding that little piece of the TARDIS that was kind of broken up. The burned up, charred piece of the TARDIS. And, you know, Van Gogh's a painter. That's a thing to remember. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all. (laughs) So Van Gogh's not, he was was not a TikToker? No, no. Sorry to break it to you. He didn't have an, an only, you know... Only fans account. Fans account for him, just for his ear. People are like, dear Van Gogh, here's $10,000. Let me see a picture Show of me your ear. ear. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm glad I didn't miss anything because I, I thought I was very observant and I jumped at the Corey mention. And, um, but uh, one of my favorite little bits that I heard in this show that made me laugh uh, was very early in the episode as uh, the doctor and Amy are walking in to the time that Van Gogh is there and it's like, oh, it's a really pretty it's a night. Starry like, night. There's a lot of stars. It's very, <laughs> it's a very starry yeah. night. Very starry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, that, yeah. It, it, again, you're like, of course that, that that you're gonna put that in. You're gonna you're gonna mention it. But I I loved how innocently the doctor just brought it up uh, and it made it. Uh, you know, it just. Ties it, it puts that bow on the episode so perfectly. So, thank you both Ashley and Jenny for joining me uh, once again. Uh, it is always a pleasure to have you in the podcast. Thank you for having us. Always happy to be here. <clears throat> and I do hope that you will return in the very near future uh, for more episodes. Of course. Hint, hint. Whenever you need us. <laughs> of course. And thank you, dear listener, of course, for making it to the end of yet another First Time Lord. As always, you can go to our website, which is firsttimelord.com, and there you can leave a comment on this podcast or any of our previous podcasts. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Uh, I loved it. I think 
like it was mentioned in the podcast, this will be the episode that I reference to anybody that says, okay, I haven't seen it. What should I see first? Um, so what, what are your thoughts on it? Also, if you uh, happen to be on our website and want to support us, uh, you can wander over to our merch shop where we have some t-shirts and some other things that will help you feel good about your support of the podcast uh, financially. While you're doing that, if you, uh, if you want to financially support our podcast, but you don't like merch, you can go to our Patreon site, link for which is found on our website as well, or the best way for you to help us, for you to support the podcast, is share it. Find that other person in your life that, like me, silly as they were, decided not to watch Doctor Who until they are in their 40s or in their 30s or in their 20s. Let's introduce the show to as many people as possible because it is so much fun to talk about. It is so much fun to run into other people that see that TARDIS on your shirt and immediately feel like they have a connection with you. So let's do it. Let's grow this community and make the most of this amazing show that we all get to be a part of. But now I'm out of time. I better head off and uh, get ready for, well, some more Doctor Who adventures. See you next week, everybody. <laughs>